Social justice means applying the law equally to all people. But in practice, that doesn't always happen. I'm John Gonzalez. I'm here at my law partner, Jack Derora. We practice law. We seek social justice. On this show, we reveal the conflict between the two. You know, for a while, it was just us in the office over a cup of coffee talking about the news of the day with social justice issues dominating our culture. Our focus became how do we as lawyers make a difference? And now it's not just us. Today, we have Larry Cook with us to discuss whether crime pays. Welcome, Larry. (laughs) Thank you. Good to be here. Jack, one of... um, my favorite uh, movies, and I haven't seen it in a while, is um, is the movie Blow, B-L-O-W. Oh, Have right. Have you ever seen that? I, I've seen bits of it at different times, but I know what it's generally about. So uh, Johnny Depp plays the main character, and um, it's, it's based on a true story. And the main character uh, starts to make money selling marijuana in, in um, I think, down in Florida, in the, in the south um, – uh, South Florida, and then um, ends up, um, you know, selling cocaine and making so much money that they have to put this money in a third world world country's bank. And um, I remember a scene where they're counting out how much money, and they're putting it into banker boxes. And Johnny Depp's character looks at his partner and says, "Where do I put this? That room's already full." <laughs> I mean, it was just millions and millions of dollars, and it, it ends up that um, you know, obviously he gets um, he gets caught, and he's spending um, time in prison. Um, I didn't have the time, but I wanted to look up and see because I thought that he was eligible for parole, like sometime here, you know, two thousand seventeen oh, or I something. Was, so wasn't aware of that. Yeah. Anyway, um, yeah, it was. Um, it's an interesting movie about. Um, uh, you know, how much money there might be in crime. And I've seen some statistics there's um, that are out there actually trying to figure out how much on average a person that is selling drugs might make. And uh, the statistics I saw, it wasn't a lot. Oh, I, I would guess so for the average small-time dealer, but... Mm-hmm. The guy in Blow wasn't a small-time dealer. No, but he started that way. But um, So our guest today, um, Larry, Buddy, uh, might have some insight into, uh, into this. Tell us, uh, kind of, Buddy, where you come from with regard to does crime pay? Well, I'm from Cincinnati, Ohio. I was born and raised there in a community that's, what, written with crime. But it was home. It was some place that I trusted that made me believe in it when it didn't seem like nothing else was going good. I adapted to what was working that made money. It was drugs. But I made a lot of money. I didn't I didn't make the little money. Uh-huh. I mean let's go back a minute. So you're you're growing up and I'm assuming it's the inner city in, in the Cincinnati area. And um, are you going to school? Did you end up finishing school? So when I first went to school, my mama told me, you know, go to school, make friends. But what my mama didn't know is telling me to go make these friends was mean I was going to be influenced by what I seen. Like, your parents can't compare you when you go out 
that what you're about to see, it can scare you and make you want to fit in. Mm-hmm. So when I went to school, I seen the cool kids, I seen the other kids, and it hit me. The idea that I want to be with that group, in order for me to be with that group, what they doing have to influence who I become. So they are actually in charge of my behaviors. They are running me. Like, there's no way you can miss that I don't know anything. My mama said, just be good, make friends. These statements made me do anything to make them love me or trust me. So this in turn influenced me on who I was later to become. Mm-hmm. How far did you end up going in school? Did you get a degree? No. no? I went to about... I really went to like the eighth grade because when I got to the ninth grade, I was too big to go to school. I was making too much money. So Mm -hmm. I only went at lunchtime or to the gym because I'm an athlete. So these are two times that I only went to school. Let me jump in here for a second, buddy. You said you were too big in ninth grade. Too big meaning making too much money. When did the influence start to really take over? So How old were you? I'm about 12. Well, that's why I say we get influenced at an early age. And when I say we get influenced, that was the first thing that influenced me. The next thing was, where was I going to make some money to take care of my brothers and sisters? There's five of us. My mom's on um, government assistance. Where the money going to come from? So once I... I ran into one guy. One guy ran down the street. He's in a Jetta. You know, Jettas just came out first year. And he got this loud music on. I said, what do you do? Somebody said, he said, dope. Well, what's his name? You know, they told me his name. The second, the second incident, it was this guy. He had all these guys around him. I'm like, who was that? You know? And all the guys around him, they're mean. I know them. Like, he told me his name. That's when I knew what I wanted to do. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm laughing. But this influenced me that that's who I want to be because it's going to take care of my family and it didn't dawn on me that I could go to jail or prison. People influenced me to that part later. They came around, you know, like, well, you know, this come with jail. Right? So, But the best thing that happened to me that made me never, ever get caught, personally, hiding it from my mama. This was the the makings of the schemes for me in my mind where I start scheming real good. Like, if we ate something, I just replace it. Say that again. <laughs> like, I started scheming really good because I had to— My mama would beat me sure. half to death, and I was afraid of my mom. So if you got good keeping this business from your mom, you then the police or the whoever else wasn't going to find out. How? If, if she's <laughs> never found out the whole time uh-huh. until I went to prison and did 30 years. My mama never believed I'd done nothing wrong. Never. Until I actually sat down and told her. If you um, had not uh, been so successful, do you think you could have uh, went further either in school or as an athlete, uh, you know? That's great part. So sixth grade, guess what I am in, in math class? I'm, I grade everybody's homework. I get finished with my homework, five minutes tops, and I grade everybody. This one I knew I was going to be around a lot of money. So I started counting big before I became big. I would count the other guy's money. They would take me to their stash houses, mm-hmm. 
and I'm counting $200,000 or so. I walk in there about 5'5". Five, five. I leave out by 5'7". My shoes are stacked with their money. <laughs> just, it, wait a minute, wait a minute. We got a sixth grader counting money? Yeah. Okay. But I'm really good. Mm-hmm. They locked the door, and before we money, count that. I stack it all up. Mm-hmm. Hour later, it's counted to the dime. The dollars are over there, and no one put dollars in the bankroll. What I feel was my cut besides what they paid me is in my shoes. So you had to have learned the business somehow. Did you come up through the ranks, so to speak? Yeah, so my cousin wouldn't let me. So when I came up through the ranks, I picked a product. I picked the way I wanted to market my product. And what I mean is, you know, everybody's selling a little bit of everything. But what I'm selling is they, they go for 20 to $25, but they're bigger than everybody else's. What are we talking about? Uh, it was just cocaine days. There was cocaine. Same blow, same like blow. Yep. Same okay. days, like these yep. are the days. But I'm working for all of y'all initially. I'm working for you. I'm mm-hmm. working for you. Um, you know, you, you get a few bucks for each one that you sell. But I'm doing this because I'm coming up through the ranks. How do you have any, um, I'm going to call it gravitas or any, you know, any real station there if you're just a young kid? How does anybody take you serious? Because my plan is to take it over mm-hmm. at 12. I'm taking on this. This is going to be mine. I'm telling them. They all work for all of them. They're all laughing at me. Mm-hmm. They, you know, but when I turn 15, they all work for me. I have to ask you, though, who are your customers? Are you at school? Is this your no, classmates? Or? I never, no drugs would be sold in school ever. Mm-hmm. Can't nobody even take drugs to school. Like, I am implying them with rules, I'm guessing. Mm-hmm. These rules are mine. No one showed me these rules. I'm making them. No, you don't do this, you don't do that. Right. Because if you do this, then violence will ensue from me. Yeah. It's not what well, you want to do. Let me stop you there, uh, buddy. Is it because selling at school is the quickest way to get caught, or do you have some moral uh, you know, underpinnings there that we're not going to keep this out of the schools? Yeah, I'm not going to influence somebody to do a crime that want to be something better than a criminal. I would never—if inf- somebody didn't hustle when he came around us, I would make him leave. Mm-hmm. I'm like, well, what are you doing here? No, don't you bring him here no more, or you're going to get in trouble. You can't let somebody be influenced by your behavior when you know it's going to hurt them. So you had enough customers that are already either hooked or using or dealing that you you could leave other people alone. You didn't need to go out and market for more. No, because once I took my projects over, like I took them completely over, not partially. Mm -hmm. I took the whole thing. Like if it wasn't mine, you couldn't sell it. You didn't get it from me, you can't do anything here. So so you're establishing neighborhoods that you controlled. Yes, mines, the one I grew up in. I don't want no other one. Mm-hmm. Right now, I just want mines to be under my rule, under my understanding. Jack and I, I think, are, are I don't know, shocked that, that you're doing this at a young age. So when you had control over where you lived, how old were you? I mean, you still young? Yeah, it was like, like about 16. Okay. This before I ever got locked up. Like, mm-hmm, right. No one knew who I was. The police had no clue. Like, for the longest time, the police, I was not on the police radar from 12 to mm-hmm. 17. No one had a clue. How 
do you take over or did you? I mean, it sounds to me like it would be violent or scary or dangerous. I mean, what, what, what did you use to establish control? Intimidation, fear, but mostly a plan. Like I made a plan. I said, um, okay, if you ain't from here, you can't be here no more unless you buy from me. And I'm going to give you the same deal that the other guy gave you, but not better. And I'm going to give you the best product. These are my promotional tools. They are legal, but if you think about it, it's just the wrong type of promotional tools. Once I did that, I set everybody loose. If they ain't from here, whoever didn't listen, rob them. Every time you see them, rob them. Mm-hmm. I mean, these are, it's at gunpoint. This is not a game. I, I signed up for something. Mm-hmm. And it's just like, I seen y'all too. I'm hanging with y'all too, and I want y'all to trust me. Y'all two, two killers. I want y'all to trust me. I can't use what I do at home for y'all two to trust me. So what I do is gravitate towards who y'all want me to be. See, like, you love me if I hurt somebody or I shoot at somebody. You love me for that. How am I not going to take to that? And mm-hmm. I want y'all approval. This is what we do as kids. We seek approval, not to hurt no one. Just I can tell you everything without hiding anything. So you had to have people that you uh, worked with that were close to you and you trusted. Who were these people in your life? Everybody I grew up with. So they're they're all looking for the same thing, to to make (laughs) some money and to take care of their families, I take it. After my teachings, all my preachings— they follow the order. Like, it's working. What do you want? Car? What kind? Go get it. Like, my neighborhood. Mm. We pay everybody rent. You ain't got son. What you need? This is, it was not to take the money and run with it. I made up a plan in my head that I'm going to take the money and give it back to all of us. Mm-hmm. And that's what I did. And so you had a very loyal following, I take it? Yes. No one's never testified against me in anything I've ever been in jail for. No one I ever hung with. Because I have never gave them a reason to. At them times, you know, like, we we believe in loyalty. And not that people's loyalty is different. But my loyalty means that I'm going to honor you and be committed to you. I'm not going to do nothing against you. Even though it might not look like it. If you get in trouble, me and you could be fighting today. We from the same hood. You get in trouble. Me and him coming to help you. This is what I bring. Mm-hmm. This is what I raise everybody around me to believe. Now you have to be getting your product from somebody that's uh, that in my mind, not knowing anything about how you're you're mm-hmm. operating, is higher up the food chain than yeah. you. Um, how hard was it to make that connection, and how hard was it to keep that connection? It was just an accident. Like, it was an accident? He's walking down the street, and I just asked him. Look, he's walking down my street because no one's going to do nothing to him. He is the—he's like, no one's going to bother him. Mm-hmm. I have no reason to bother him, and I just asked him. After that, we made history. In the streets, though, because he was the one that can tell me what to do. He's the only one could come to me and say— if you stop being violent, you will be rich. And this is how the police got introduced to me. Mm-hmm. They had no clue. Just pulled me over one day. I had a chauffeur. I'm like 17. <laughs> okay. Um, I had a chauffeur in my car, and he pulled me over, and he pulled all his money out of my pocket. 
He said, who are you? He just kept saying it like he wouldn't let it go. He was like, this, this is a cop saying this. Yeah, he, he couldn't believe it. Like, who are you? Like, where are you from? I'm 17. He has n- he has never met me. I have never ran into the police until I bought a car. And mm. this the day, put all the money on the trunk, all the people seeing it, turned it into a big deal. Then they know who Buddy is. Uh-huh. No more Larry. <laughs> it's Buddy Cook now. So you're on the radar screen. Mm-hmm. But I already had took care of this before I got on a radar screen. Remember, I hid everything from my mom. Mm-hmm. So I was prepared for this. I never had any drugs. I've never carried any drugs. After that day, I never, before that day, I've never had anything on me. So when they would check me and find up a money, mm-hmm. this is part of, I think, when I kept it from my mama, how I created it. This is pretty... We're skirting over what I think is really essential to your story, which is you're giving everybody in your life the story that person needs. Like, it's one story for mama. It's another story for the guys you hire. So how do you do this with mom? Well, my mom never never seemed like I had a lot of money unless she looked at my clothes. And then I moved her. You know, that was that was the hardest trick. Like getting her to move to a house. That was not easy. Like, like I'm trying to see which one of my family members I could pay. You know, to convince her that they gave her the money to move. Because my family don't know either. Mm-hmm. No one knows yet. I, I'm stuck on this issue. Or not stuck, that's given the wrong uh tone. But I think what's pretty important here is the influence to which you were led. So you're seeing the cool kids, I think you said. Yeah. And the cool kids, I assume, had nicer clothes and more money. And you said that, and I didn't say that part. When I went to school, it was five of us. Two two sisters, three brothers. Five clothes, five pair of pants are split between us. Mm-hmm. One day I went to school... Just before, just like in the sixth, sixth grade, I had holes in the bottom of my shoes where I had put newspaper in them for my feet when touched the ground. Not knowing, get halfway there, it start raining. So when I get to school, my shoes is coming out of my shoes. People laughing at me. That influenced my decision. That yeah, turned yeah. me <clears throat> into somebody that even when you telling me the right thing, you ain't paying no bills over here. You can tell me anything, but you're not helping me. That influenced all my decisions after that. That right there, and I found something to hold on to. That's what I mean. You find it's, it's just like relationship. You get away from one and get under another just to get away from this one. That influence, you have to replace the time. If I like being around you, there's no way that I can replace you unless I choose Jack for the time that I gave you. Sure, sure. I um, reminds me of a of a, a kid I um, knew in high school, buddy. He um, when I was in high school, the um, they desegregated the Columbus Public Schools, so I'm in a basically all white neighborhood, and they bust in black kids from the inner city. And one of those kids, uh, Sheldon, uh, became a very good friend of mine, very good friend. 
And he and I had almost a, the same conversation you were just telling me, which was an eye opener to me at the time, which was, you know, he had been gone for a couple of weeks and he came back and he said he'd gotten in trouble because he was robbing a house. Mm-hmm. And I said, well, what are you doing that for? And he goes, John, you come to school every day in your own car. You got, you, you know, you wear nice clothes. He goes, where do you think I get anything I have? Nobody gives it to me. I, you know, just what you were saying, what motivated him was he wanted to be with us. And, um, you know, I mean, I've never made excuses for, for my success uh, mm. at all, but I certainly understood the motivation that he had. Um, and I sure hope he's doing okay now. Um, but, um, but back to you, kind of your story then. So you, you see this guy, you ask him, um, you know, about, uh, about being a supplier, and it, did that relationship then continue throughout your time until you mm-hmm. got— Until uh, I got locked up. Yeah, we, mm-hmm. we, we became close. Um, he started teaching me stuff, and another thing, he used me to count his money, too. Mm-hmm. This is—I was influenced with—I was infatuated with math as a kid. Yeah. I was really infatuated with math. So I took to math more than I did other classes. I'm not paying no attention that I'm— favoring one over other, I'm in the sixth grade. I, I don't, you know, you don't know what you're paying attention to. We out in the world, we we seeing stuff. Once we like it and we get stuck on liking it, mm-hmm. by the time we figure out what it takes to actually get it, it's too late. We're in love with it. Mm-hmm. We ain't going to give away something you love. I'm, it, it took me, I did 30 years in prison, it took me 20 years to replace all them behaviors. Become infatuated with something else. Sure. Twenty years. Well, I want to I want to talk to you a little bit about that, but but I want to go back to uh, I'm just trying to picture in my mind how, how you're growing up there and your your success in your organization. But there's got to be people there that wanted to take what you had from you, and how did you prevent that? Because again, you know, I see this young person. And I see with a smile, with a smile. They 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 really fall for that. Yeah. They really go after that. They really think it means themselves. At that time. Mm-hmm. It, it's 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 not a I enjoy when they challenge me. It was not from wanting to. It came from wanting somebody to know who I was. That's mm-hmm. so when the challenges start coming, I was excited. Not you know, people talk crazy, oh, I like doing this. No, no. I wanted a name for myself, mm-hmm. and I knew who he was. This is a perfect opportunity for me to see who's better than who. You, you'd be amazed at how many people believe that. Like you really believe that this is okay. Yeah, I really believe at that time that it was okay. And don't let them have a reputation. I'm really interested in going to war with him. This is just a mindset you come up with. Because you want to be respected and be the big dog. So what did, what did you do specifically? Or can you give us an example of uh, of maybe when that happened and you were able to, you know, get somebody to recognize who you were? Well, first time, you know, first it was some good fights, you know. It was really a lot of good fights with people who had reputations for being very, mm-hmm. very deadly. You know, you, you start there and then, you you know, you maroon to shootouts. You, you you really yeah. these are really part of the streets. It's it's not what you want. And I said though, like I don't want it to be light. Like you know, people say like it's a, to be glorified. I'm telling you, in terms of 
what I believe. That's more important than what I did. You know, people can know what I did, but you need to know what I believe so you don't believe the same thing and go and do the same thing. You said you had a um, a driver when you were. I had a few. You had a few. How many people are around you in your organization that are your your closest people? You or, never or seen. You never seen me under ten people. Under ten people. You've never seen me by myself. And, and what were they all doing? What was their respective jobs? I would fit. I would fit everybody according to who they were and mm. what they was capable of. My mind liked to have multiple things at once. I didn't like just dealing with one person. And we all grew up together, so I knew them. Right. These are not new people. All these, I'm, we talking about grow up, I'm talking about from first grade. They mm-hmm. older than me to high school. They all athletes and stuff. But their plan is simpler than mine's. Right, right. Since I know how to, what you say, ah them, you know, like, mm-hmm. whoa. So when I come, okay, I'm going to give you a good example. I'm glad you said so. You want to be something. Okay, you tell me. All right, here you go. Here go the money for that. Let's do that. Okay, now this is what I want you to do. You you said what you wanted to be. I made you that. Right. You don't have no other plans. These are your plans. Mm-hmm. Individually, look, every person, right. everyone. Look, I would spend as much time as it took to make you believe in me. Was well, there anybody that had more ambition than you and you had to— you know, make but sure that know, they... <laughs> no, that's a great thing. Look, yeah. see, I don't have jealousy. It's weird and it can be, oh, uh, he's lying. When I say I don't have jealousy, your success is my success. So whatever you're doing good, if I could come and help you, this is what I got locked for when I just did 30 years because people that you said have more ambitions... I teamed up with them. Mm-hmm. I didn't disown them. I didn't. What for? I have a reputation now. I don't want yours. I want you to enhance who we are as a unit. It doesn't matter what color you is. You, 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 you. When I come around, we all each other. No one gets jealous. I won't allow it. You can't get mad because he got more money than you. When you look back now, was it unsustainable or could you have done things different and still be in that lifestyle? The influence, being mm. broke, what came from that? This can be helped. The surroundings. How can I? How can I help this? When it was no one like you around. Like that's what I know today. Mm. Like you really want to help me. If you can help me, I don't have to look back and question it. I know what you're telling me gonna actually make me better. You couldn't have done that, then. You couldn't have even got near me. Mm-hmm. Not that, not that you would want to, but now today, I can allow like Jack to help me. Like Jack can get smart, tell me some stuff. Wouldn't take me back to who I used to be. I know he mean well. He want me to be better than I used to be. And getting people to see that is really hard. But I learned to take you as you are. Once I understand you, once I let you get off what you want to get off, it's my turn. Mm-hmm. Hey, let me interrupt. It sounds like, buddy, what's really going on here is you lived, it sounds like, in a pretty closed little world. Yes. A bunch of kids who all suffered, it sounds like, from low income. See, 
it wouldn't be suffer because well, all right let's let's get rid of the word suffer because you know people run from us look you know we say suffer oh ain't nothing wrong with me we are very offensive okay to, let, to certain words well let, okay scratch that one everybody is of struggling. low income everybody's struggling everybody's struggling mm-hmm. there's not a whole lot of outside influence right exactly and not so, the good kind right and so options are really limited and as much as your mother might have been a good mother, it sounds like she's probably really busy stroking, just trying to keep things together. So it's pretty hard to break out of that mold, it sounds like. You, I, it was, you know how you say there's no way out. Not because I didn't want a way out. It's just not enough options. And what I'm saying is we need more than one option. I would love somebody, you to be influenced by somebody, and then another person come around that's legit, legal, got all these, and he take you from him. Mm, sure. That's the type of way it is. Like, I mean, I want to just be an understanding to you are influenced by something, you need to try to understand what that is. Especially when you're messing your life up. If you're doing all these things, you can't keep you can't keep relates. What's influencing sure. you to do this? Where is it coming from? I would imagine though, when you were younger and before you you got, I guess, arrested and caught, would have been hard to convince you there was any danger in it because you just didn't see it. Kind of look forward to it. Yeah. So tell us then what happened. I mean, you you said you've said a couple of times you spent thirty years in jail. What what, well, what happened? I've been, I got, I've been shot in the face. I've been, I've been shot a couple of times. I got shot in the face. A month later, I got shot in the leg. I've been in prison quite a few times, but it was home. It was mm-hmm. in fear. Like, it was nothing wrong with it. And that's a problem. Did nothing you, did you spend 30 years straight. total or 30 years straight? Oh, straight. So you did something bad enough to get a sentence what? like that? Something bad. What'd you do? I created, um... What you call them? How you can call them? Mm, a few robbery teams. But this is you had a, you had a pretty good sized drug business. Is that a nice way of saying it? Well, that was one. I was multitasking. Okay. You know, like it's not a good way to explain. It sounds like the Sopranos from but, uh, from know, Cincinnati. But you don't want to glorify it. Like, I got you. I it's like it seems yeah. to make people think excited and yeah. like we want to. Um, you know, go do crime. It's for me to to tell it is. Yeah, it wasn't worth it. That's the point. Like, mm. but I did everything mostly under the sun. Besides killing anyone. Did you? Um, so how did you get caught then? How did it come crumbling down? So um, they killed one of my friends. They being like some outside guys mm-hmm. you know, killed one of my friends. But the point was, I was supposed to be in the car where they where they did it. So upon them doing this, they decided it was time to talk to the police about who I was. Yeah, not come after me, mm-hmm. but to tell the police everything because the police had no clue that yeah I was. So let law enforcement take you out. And this bunga team of homicide and robbery detectives, not one. Like a bunch of them, and mm-hmm. they arrested me. Uh, this is a good phone call, so so they arrested me, kept me for about twelve hours, locked me up on some gun charges. Couldn't get me on none of the cases, so I got out. So I go to court. They arrested my brother too. Go to court with my brother. Son say don't go in the courtroom. Like I paid a lawyer the money. I'm only there to pay the lawyer. He was like, oh, you can come in. I'm like, no. 
why would I come in? This is like going to intimidate them. Like, no, you family, you family. I went in that courtroom. Mm -hmm. Now, being that this lady said I didn't rob her, I was good. So I thought. But as soon as I sat down, I instantly knew what was going to happen. So I took my car keys out, gave them to my dude. He's like, what's wrong? I was like, you're going to see. Because I see him over there conversing with the lady. I see them covering the exits. It's, it's like yeah. a movie. Yeah. So he get up there. Now, she can't say I did it not under oath. So she, my brother case called. She get up. She said it was him and dude back there in the black jacket. I've been in prison for 30 straight years since that day. Mm. That's how they arrested me. After having me for a long period of time. Yeah, yeah. If, if The reason that I know Crown on Pay because it didn't matter whether I did anything or not. Once I had got the reputation, and that's the point. Mm. Once you get a reputation, you don't. you can run around saying what you didn't do. What about what you did do? I know you might be you might be locked up for something that you didn't do, but did you not do anything? So you're a minor at this time or not? You were mm -hmm. an adult. I'm full grown, twenty one. When you get arrested, when you get when you this go away, time. yeah, I went. I uh, went to, but I went to the, I went to prison as a juvenile. Okay, I, I was bound over as an adult, mm -hmm. as seventeen, kingpin status. I went to the. It didn't change anything. Yeah. Yeah. It it changed me when it went in, you no, know, just get ready for anything. But it didn't make me want to do nothing else. Where'd you spend most of your time? Mm, Lucasville. I went well I spent I spent most of my time in maximum security. I did a I did a supermax bid like did two you? years. I yeah. was not listening. I couldn't hear. Now you weren't in Lucasville when they had the uh, riots. No, right, right after. That's right after, okay. Yeah. You know yeah. what the one thing um that I've always been impressed in my conversations with Buddy is, you know, we've talked about the fact that he's working now. I mean, he's making a legitimate dollar, probably a lot less than what you were making <laughs> on the streets. But but you know what? I've always heard you say that you enjoy this more, or at least you're more at peace. So talk about talk about why this is different now. Look now, okay, first, but I started it in jail. First I started getting odd jobs, like Working construction, um, um, my floor external cleaner. I was waxing the buffing floors, power washing showers. I was creating mm -hmm. a work habit. The same, you know. I was. These are the new things that influenced me. Uh, you know. Then I started working HVAC. Took up some electronic engineering. I look every trade. Went to college. This is my. This is my new life. These like, are the things you're doing on the inside. Yeah, this is my inside. These are my last. Seven to ten years. This is what I'm into. You can't get me into a conversation about nothing. Bother me for what? Mm -hmm. Like this. Why do we need to? Um, oh man, he ain't gonna mess with me. For what? He know what I'll do. Why would I need to relive or re be somebody that I already been? What would I get from it? You gotta be careful with what makes you happy and make you feel good. So I switched them. Mm -hmm. You know, sports. I'm an athlete. At this at at fifty one, I'm still jumping high, still running out the gym. So you're um, you're taking these courses, and part of it, I assume, is you're you're trying to get ready for your parole hearing, so you can show that you've done what you had to do to to be successful. That could be one, but no, I'm transitioning. Mm -hmm. I mean, I'm transitioning my ideas on what to do about being a man. What was your sentence, buddy? Was it 30 years straight? Or was it 20 50, to life? Or? 50, 50 to 150. 50 to 150. So 
were you are you out on parole because you were eligible parole or, or I was how'd out, that? I was out on parole because I have proved that I reformed, mm-hmm. that I'm somebody other than who I used to be. And uh, listen, that's a tough bar. I've been in parole hearings, and they don't <laughs> like to let no. people out. <laughs> I guess is my I got general ten, impression. I got ten year flops. Uh huh. That's yeah. how long it took. Yeah. You know, like I did. I didn't get out. Wait. Embark. Embark took me into their program where you got to spend a year, not no two months. You got to spend a year in it learning who you say you are and go through some things to prove that you're not trying to con somebody to get out. Mm-hmm. They spent a year in without the program. I'd never be out of prison. Like I believe in, in loyalty. I mean, not a little, yeah. it's stretched beyond imagination. So someone helps me like they did, you know, I don't know how to not owe them my life. It's a weird thing with me. Like, yeah. This is how can I not disappoint myself? Sometimes I forget that, but to disappoint the people that actually got behind me and helped me I, is impossible. And and for those listeners who don't recognize the name of the name Embark, that's a prison ministry where yeah. men go into different prisons. For Buddy, it was uh, Marion Correctional Institution, and help them transition for life outside of prison. So did you, um, while you were in prison then, you were able to get your GED, and then mm-hmm. did you say you were able to take college courses? Yeah, I got like about four to six credits from my associate's degree. Mm-hmm. And then I know there's the um, I know there's the trades that they, they offer yeah. you in that. So uh, what are you doing? And what, what, well, I'm finna start. HVAC, I was working at, um, I, I was um, forming, forming and um offloading tanker trucks with um, Polymery and, and yeah. Franklin International. I was doing that. And it's, it's, I like the manual labor, so that's why I pick an HVAC, like some construction. I'm trying to mend them in. Like right now, I'm making sure that I understand how to pay my bills, mm-hmm. how much money I need for them. You know, these are the new conditions of my thinking. Like, you know, how much, how many hours I need to work in order to pay this bill. I mean, I started my own little company, but that's like secondary to Sure. Well, I can imagine you're going to be an entrepreneur. (laughs) You know, you're going to do your own thing and probably be successful. So, but uh, I know that just from experience, you're not allowed to probably um, have relationships with with a lot of people in your old life. I mean, but, but tell us generally, how do you stay away from that? Did you go back to Cincinnati? No, so I moved... Here, mm-hmm. it, okay. this was a choice that I made too. Like another beginning, like if I'm gonna be someone different, I mean, I need to give it a chance without outside influences. This this influence thing is really big with me. I pay attention to it, and it's one of the, the hardest lessons is God don't give me no easy lessons. Like all my all of my lessons are brutal. They uh-huh. come in brutal form because I'm hard-headed. You know? <laughs> it's not that good. Thanks God a little bit to get through to you. And he makes <laughs> sure I get it. Mm-hmm. Like, not no nice sound. Oh, so you think you can do whatever you want. Yeah. The 30 years was the lesson in that. That seems like just an incredible amount of time. Um, did you did you feel that that sentence was unfair? Does, does it, did you, or just... 
didn't waste your time with worrying about that because it couldn't do anything about it. Yeah. This was wrong. I, this was really wrong with people. They sign up for something mm-hmm. and then try to sign out in the middle of it. Like, I didn't do nothing. No. I got what I got coming because of all I did. I paid for my sins. Like, mm-hmm. not in that it ever stopped mm-hmm. paying. I'm, I lost my son. I had a son. He was in college, freshman year. First time I went to the board, my son died in college. So guess what they give me the first time I went to the board? Right after this, a couple months later, seven years. But that was, you know, like, these, yeah. are, these are the messages. Look, these are the tough love moments. Now, when you say they give you seven years, seven years before you can come back. Uh, yes. Yeah. These yeah. are the type of things they're yeah. handing out. And these are from believing that I can get away with this. Mm-hmm. Knowing that now it's a simple way. That would hurt me more than I just realized that I could have just worked. I could have started my own business. I could have set up my own little company. No fanfare. Right, right. So if you were to develop something that could change the trajectory of somebody like you when you were young, where would you start? Would you... Would you start with more education? Would you start with some other opportunities for employment? I mean, what? So I came up with I came up with this book called Influences. It's just a quick read, but the point of the book is how you like us as parents send our kids off to school, and what we tell them, we do not understand, and we telling them to go over there and get their approval. Mm-hmm. Not purposely. It's I'm just saying we do not know each other. I can be around you all day and you hide your true meaning of life from me because guess why? You don't trust me. And the main thing we missing is trust. Mm-hmm. I will respect what you do if you respect what I do. That's trust. Not I tell you what you should be doing and shouldn't doing. Trust. Right, right. If I'm going to shape you away from something, I'm going to trust what you're doing first before I try to shape it. No one wants to do that. No one wants to trust anyone no more. And it's that's scarier than anything. I did 30 years is what I come back to. Right. No trust yeah. at all. And it really feel like I really messed, not messed up, destroyed everything. And the only thing I can see is rebuild trust. Have you thought about how, if you had the opportunity, you could build that kind of trust in the kind of neighborhood you grew up in? That's going to be first. But it begins with the people that I know. Mm-hmm. It doesn't begin with outsiders that don't know me. I don't care if you know of me. Know me. You know I would. No one that I grew up with would tell you that I wouldn't do anything for them. Not criminally. I'm talking about anything to help them. It's compassion. Sure. Talk, thinking about those people, uh, I've been just kind of curious. Is your mom still alive? Yes. Okay, so she must have found out at some point what happened. No, no I told her. Okay. No, and no, no. What happened? Tell us about that. Like, first she said, my baby ain't did nothing. I don't know why they gave him all this time. I said, Mom, your baby did do something. No, no, no. I did that stuff. No, no. She's trying to cut me off. Mm-hmm. See, there's another thing. You know, when you want to sure. hear the naked side. I said, no, Mom, you need to listen to this. It was a long conversation. But we had it while I was in jail. It's one of the requirements of embark. You know, you must, mm-hmm. you must own be, it. Yes. Yeah. All of it, though. Like, yeah. not the parts that make you feel good. Right. I'm talking about the parts that makes us feel bad. Like, I, you know, people say crazy things like, man, pain is this. Pain is my favorite subject. Mm-hmm. Pain is my best friend. Pain is, it. 
it doesn't make me say it. It makes me have something to deal with. Well, it, it, pain can be a motivator, you know. <laughs> if you want it to be, mm-hmm. though, it's a choice. So thinking about the people that were around you in your enterprise, these these at least 10 people you were saying, most of them go to jail and mm-hmm. any of them get out and are successful in other ways now? All of us, but like three is out. Like my brother was one of them. He spent some time in prison. He spent 26 years. Yeah. He'd been out for like four years, you know. Like, mostly to me is, you know, getting people on board with the new idea or the new me. Well, it's just, uh, the reason I ask that is, is it that everybody that was involved has spent prison time? Is there anybody that's been able to be in that type of um, uh, criminal enterprise and not go to prison? Yeah, uh, quite a few people didn't go to prison at all. Really? Not one day. Well, mm-hmm. are they still involved in criminal activity or do they somehow reform on their own? But it's, it's like once I went to prison, like certain people wasn't around. Prison means no more friends. Prison means right. no more power out there. So it ain't no around. Like wherever they doing, I'm going to lead them doing wherever they is mm-hmm. doing. If I try to get back in touch with them, it means I'm trying to be somebody I used to be. Sure. So it's better that... He stay over that side of the fence. I stay on my side of the fence. How many people in prison during those years did you see that were basically your same story, just what somewhere you, else? That meant that's the weird part. Like mm-hmm. that's the like crazy part. Like so, you know, he from Youngstown, he from Cleveland, he from Columbus, and we all got the same story. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I want a story that nobody got now. You can't match mass now. I don't want that story. I want you to tell this story. I want you to show them who I'm being now. Show them what 30 years really did to me, like how it motivated me not to just to change, but to come great. Right, right. I I have limited experience, but with the uh, few clients I've had that have spent significant time in prison, I am amazed at how well-educated they've come out, how much they've... Uh, uh, taken to better themselves, and I and I can't help but think, if we had had them in society for those twenty or thirty years, how much they could have really yeah. contributed, you yeah. know. But but like you say, uh, uh, it starts today. Uh, yeah. So like it's never too late. Yeah. If you breathing, how is it too late? Like yeah. I'm breathing, and I didn't want to do something today. An hour later, I could decide that I'm doing it now. Why not? Like who's to stop you? You stopping yourself. Right, right. I can't make you be someone you don't want to be. Buddy, I uh, really have enjoyed our discussion, and I'd love to talk to you more about this. I don't know if it's—I always think it's one of those things like, you know, you see these guys, uh, our age, Jack, that have been in combat, and they just don't want to talk to it by people that haven't been in combat, <laughs> whether whether you have some of that in your mind. Um, um, but it's so fascinating— um, yeah, for someone like me to, to to see the success you've had after the challenges you've had. So I, nice to meet you. Thanks Thank you for coming. To meet you too, Buddy, I always enjoy being with you. So <laughs> another conversation is just fabulous in my eyes. And I, you know, and I, again, what I always find so enjoyable about talking with you is you seem at peace and you're happy. And you're in a different place. Our thanks to WOSU and our sound engineer, 
Dalton Jones. If you like what you've heard, tell a friend. We want this to be more about just us. We want it to be about all of us. We'll be back in another week or so with another social justice issue. Until then, so long.